0: take your bibles turn to romans chapter 13 romans chapter 13 this is lesson number seven on this one little subtopic uh, of renewing the mind and this will be the last of this part of the bible study we'll keep continuing on the book of romans topically romans chapter 13 we're going to look at the last three verses verses 12 through 14 Romans chapter 13 verses 12 through 14. Well, look at, start looking in verse 11. I'm sorry. Verse 11. And that, knowing the time, uh, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, and not in rioting and drunkenness and in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, sounds like the news, doesn't it? But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, back in Romans chapter 12, it tells us, God says, I don't want you to be conformed to the world, but I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conformed means to be shaped like or in agreement with or to look like and, and be, uh, in, in lockstep with the world. God says you're not to, as a Christian, to be like the world. He said, I want you to be transformed. Uh, That's the word metamorphosis. It's the, like going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. I want you to be something totally different. And that happens by the renewing of your mind. Now, that means this. Being conformed to the world is a mindset. Being transformed with the mind of Christ is also a mindset. So we have to change how we think. Here's the big statement. God never gives us a command without giving us the ability to obey that command. God never tells us to do something that we cannot do. So all of chapter 12 and all of chapter 13 we've gone through. This is the seventh different lesson on how to renew our mind. I'm not going to go through the other six things. Go listen to it on the website. What do you call that thing? Mrs. Barnes podcast. Yeah, that bean thing. All right. Uh, but uh, it'll, it'll help you understand it a little better. Tonight, I want to cover the final part of the renewing of the mind. Now, <laughs> here, here's, here's where we're at with it. God tells us that it's time to get busy. Look at verse number 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now, folks, I hate to tell you something. The average church, the average Christian is dead and asleep. Well, we just don't want to bother anybody. Let's just let things happen. Well, bless God, I want to bother everybody. Amen. Say why? Because somebody's got to do something, shake them good and hard. Uh, It was one of the nights, brother, uh, the pastor was uh, introducing me and uh, I was, I was wound up. I had people saved that day. We had been out knocking on doors. I don't take long to get wound up if you haven't noticed. And uh, it was time to preach and he said, I better hurry up and say something because I got to let the racehorse out of the gate. He said, he is snorting up here ready to go. And I was. And, uh. I thought, that's nicer animal than I've been called elsewhere, but uh, I'll take the compliment, amen? Uh, we're not supposed to just take life as it comes. Uh, isn't it amazing? We can be aggressive about making money, but when it comes to Christianity, oh, well, I don't want to force that on anybody. I don't want to offend somebody about that. We'll offend somebody for money, but we won't offend them with the gospel. Now, where does that make sense? Uh, well, let's just take life as it comes. Well, folks, I don't want to take life as it comes because usually when it comes, it's not good. I want to take life. I don't want it taking me. Uh, we're not supposed to just flutter along with everything on every little breeze that floats by and say, okay, we'll just enjoy this and okay, it's bad for now. It'll get good. That's enough to make anybody sick. The world's thinking about time, listen to me, is about how much can I get out of this life? The world's mentality is, how much can I get out of this life before I die? You say, well, preacher, what else is there? I'm living for eternity, not now. See, when you think God's way, This life is just investment for the next. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. Doesn't take me long to enjoy it. You see, uh, they have a bucket list. There are certain things they just have to get done, Brother Juan. Well, bless God, I like to kick a few buckets, amen? Uh, Knock them over, spill them, do something. Hey, folks, we might live 70, 80, 90, 100 years. But guess what? Eternity's a whole lot longer. Yes. So if we're only going to live for this life, we don't have much to live for. Right. But that's why God says to the Christian, you pass from death to life, not life to death. Amen. See, what we call life, God calls death. When my mom died three years ago, she didn't die. She started living, Brother Jim. She really started living. She started her eternal life. This was just preparation for it. And to the world, this is all they have. They have nothing else to live for. You know, the old, uh, you used to see it on bumper stickers, whoever dies with the most toys wins. That's the mentality of our world today. I hate to tell you something, but you're not going to take a U-haul to the to the funeral home with you. You're not going to take it with you. Now, uh, listen very carefully here. Look how much time and or look how much money and time is spent on making money, houses, cars, entertainment, video games, pleasure vacations, and I'm not against uh, some of those things. I, I'm not saying all those things are sinful. What I'm saying is this, though, look how much is spent on it and how little is spent on spirituality and eternity. Right. Yes, <laughs> uh, Brother Aaron and I and the pastor were at a, out to lunch, and he said, i got to take you by this place. We went into this used car place. Brother Jim, I, th- I almost called you and FaceTimed you. They had a, a used McLaren there. It was only $235,000. Two seats. Cost more than my stinking house. I thought, y'all are dumb. Yeah, he wanted the cheap one. It was only $100,000. That was the cheapest one in the building. $98,000. Now, and it was interesting. I mean, there was just car after car after car after car after car. After car you know, hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. Before we walked out, the pastor walked over to the salesman and said, "You know, thanks for showing us around. We're obviously not going to buy." And he said, "Oh, no problem." And he said, "But I want to ask you a question. Do you know for sure you go to heaven?" I thought, Wow. That's good stuff. He said, oh, for sure. I got saved years ago. I'm, I've i been saved. He said, this is just eye candy. He said, this doesn't mean nothing. Where we're going, uh, they paved the streets on better stuff than what we got in this room. I thought, that guy's got it. Now, I was impressed that he understood that it was just metal, plastic, and a lot of money. Now, I want you to understand something. God gave these words a man 2,000 years ago. If God says it's high time, 2,000 years ago, how much higher time is it today? How much more important and how much more urgent is it today? If God said that it was urgent 2,000 years ago, don't you think the urgency is a little bit more can I tell you something? Jesus is going to come back one of these days. You say, when's he coming? I don't know, but I know this. I plan on running as fast as I can till he does. You see, <laughs> these are the ever living, breathing words of God. And we have to keep his return in mind. And if not, it'll be the end of our life anyway. So God says it's high time to wake out of sleep. Now, listen to this very carefully. I want you to notice he has that in accordance with our salvation. Look at it again, verse number 11. And that, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Brother Harry, I got saved 50 years ago but the time of my salvation is nearer than it was 50 years ago. It's not that I'm not saved, but the purpose of my salvation is getting closer and closer. See, the purpose of salvation is the end of this life so that we're ready for heaven when we go. Now, listen to this very carefully. There are 7 billion people on this globe to reach, and we need to get busy. With 7 billion people... Well, we just shouldn't, we shouldn't force our faith on anybody. I don't force anything, but we ought to be talking about it everywhere we go. They can talk about the alphabet soup crowd everywhere they go. They can talk about their filth everywhere they go. They can talk about getting drunk and getting high. They can talk about their immorality and tell their filth, talk about violence, talk about video games and Hollywood, and yet we're supposed to keep the gospel silent? No way, not me. Say why, because it's high time we awake out of our sleep. Time to get up and get busy doing something for God. Don't get me wound up already, all right? Here we go, number one. We need to see the value of time. What is the value of time? Listen to these next two statements. Time is the substance that this life is made of. Time is the substance of what this life is made of. Time is the measure of life. Actually, here on earth, it's actually the measure of death. But if someone gives you time, they're giving you their life. You say, well, uh, no, the measure of life is how much money you have. No, that money is just a representation of your time. You work a job and get paid so many dollars per hour or you get a salary based on how many hours you work and it's a representation of your time or your life. You see, uh, where you work, they're renting you. That's basically the only way to put it. You're being rented. And you're giving that in exchange for money so that you can do the things that you want to On your time. And we have to understand that money is a representation of our life. That's why God says, show me where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm -hmm. See, where you put your money is where your heart is. (laughs) You say, well, where your money is, there's where your mouth is. You put your money where your mouth is. No, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But where your money is, your heart follows it. You show me your checkbook register or whatever you call that thing on your stupid computer thing that you have. And I'll show you what you love. I'll show you what you care about. I sat in a 1966 Fastback Mustang. Mint condition. 69,000 miles. Amen, Brother Jim? They only wanted $44,000 for it. Say, did you covet? Not very long. I just wanted to get my picture taken in it. I wasn't thinking about owning it. Say, why? What am I going to do with it? Did I like it? Of course I did. I liked the 67 with the 351 uh, Cleveland in it too, but that was over $60,000 and I wouldn't even sit in that one. Wait a minute. Time is what your life is made of. When someone gives you their time, they're giving you their life. Now, take your Bible. Turn to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. Look at verse number sixteen. God says in Ephesians five sixteen, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. God says we need to redeem, buy back our time. Because the days are evil. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Just about 10, 15 pages over there. And look at verse number 5. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. In other words. Making the most of what time we have. Now. Please listen to me. How much time do we waste on non-important things? Now I'm going to quit preaching and start meddling. (laughs) I wonder how many people are going to die and go to hell because of the hours spent on Facebook. People spend more time on Facebook than they do at church or doing things for God. If they would spend more time with their face in the book, they wouldn't have as much time for Facebook. Everybody doing all right? That's why I get phone calls of, well, preacher, did you know somebody hates you? I always know somebody hates me. (laughs) Well, it's all over Facebook. Well, that's good. That's fine. Anybody can hide behind a screen and say they hate my guts. Bring it to my face. Let's go. It doesn't bother me. Uh, When somebody's real big, bad, and tough, when they can type on a do jigger and put it on a screen and tell everybody what isn't true let's bring it out in the open and bring the facts out are you worried i don't even have the stuff people have to call me and tell me that it's happening (laughs) brother aaron was talking to the pastor that i was preaching for and the guy looked at me he said you really don't have a computer i said no he saw my sermon notes were all handwritten and Brother Aaron starts laughing, he says, show him your printer, preacher. I said, right there. <laughs> I said, mine's real cheap to replace, too. Now, wait a minute. How much time do we waste on Facebook? How much time do we waste on video games? How much time do we waste staring at a stupid screen called a television? Uh, we don't have long till Jesus comes. I'm not saying any of those things are necessarily sinful by themselves. But if you're not doing anything for God, and that's all you do, let's make it high time we do something else. Now I'm going to really step on something real quick and go. When we're late, we're wasting everybody's time. If If we have 100 people in this room... And you're one minute late. You weren't one minute late. You were a hundred minutes late because you wasted everybody else's one minute too. (laughs) When that, when I watch the clock back here, when it's the exact time to walk out, I walk out. If I walk out two minutes late and there's a hundred people in here, I just wasted 200 minutes. Not just two minutes. I wasted 200 minutes. You have to understand something. (laughs) It's not just you being late. It's everybody else being held up because you are late. And people's time is life. 200 minutes is about three and a half hours. You wasted three and a half hours of life by being two minutes late at that point in time. And you wasted everybody's life, not just your own. I believe in being on time. I don't have fancy reminders on my phone, and I don't have things that beep and tell me what to do. I'm the one that's supposed to tell me what to do, not a stupid phone. I have a paper schedule. I've had it for since Noah got off the ark. Uh, I still keep my schedule on paper. I know when my appointments are. You've never seen me late to one of your appointments. I guess it still works. Well, you could do that. I know what I could do, but I can't do that because I don't live by that. I don't want my phone telling me what to do. I want to tell it what to do. I don't want some box telling me what to do. I want to tell it what to do. Everybody doing all right? I'm having fun. Or as I said last week in a church that didn't understand coon hunting, I got a coon in the tree. Arr! Here we go, man. Them city folk really don't understand that. Let's be on time. If we're supposed to be somewhere at a certain time, be there. It's just the way it's supposed to be. And God said it's high time we awake out of our sleep. We're not supposed to just float through life like a log floating down the creek. We're supposed to happen to life, not let it happen to us. Okay, I'll quit meddling and preach somewhere else. Here we go. Number two, God says that we're supposed to, we need to be the light in a dark world. I want to share some thoughts on this with you. Look at verse number 12. Romans chapter 13, verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Now watch this. Let us cast, therefore cast off the works of darkness. I want you to notice a word here in a second. And let us put on the what? Armor of light. Now everybody look at me for a second. God says that he wants us to put the armor of light on. Armor is a protective coating. Armor is something that you put on before you go to battle. How many of you have ever seen those old football helmets, those leather ones? Like they played with in Brother Jim's Day. Uh, <laughs> God knows those fellas were tough, because I ain't going to go smashing heads in one of them things. Uh, when they go out to a football game, they're all uh, they armor up, they got shoulder pads and hip pads and thigh pads and knee pads and shin pads, and they got uh, arm pads and hand pads, and they got pads everywhere. I'm not sure they know they got hit. Now, the way they hit the ground, I wouldn't get back up. Just dig a hole and throw me in it, amen? But uh, I want you to notice something. We're to be the light in a dark world. John chapter 9, John chapter 9, verse number 4. The Bible says this. John chapter 9, verse number 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Hmm. By the way. This is Jesus talking. And he said, the night cometh when no man can work. Now, we are to be the light in a dark, sinful, evil, nasty world. Folks, did you know it's nasty out there? Did you really? (laughs) That's why I don't watch the news. They have nothing good to report on the news. Why do I want to see nothing but negative after negative after negative after negative? Well, how are you going to keep up with it? I read what I want, and I know what to pick through. And (laughs) if I get tired reading it, I can turn it off and I don't have to listen to it. We're to be the light in a dark world. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at three different passages here. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 14. The Bible says this. Ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That means this. We ought not be afraid that we're a Christian. We're not supposed to be Christians incognito. We're not supposed to be (laughs) camouflage Christians. Looking like the world. No, he said come out from among them and be separate. Be a light shining in the darkness. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse number 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give uh, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How in the world can we have the light and hide it? You say, well, I'm just afraid to say something for the Lord. Why? Open it up and let the light shine. It's really not that hard. Well, somebody might say something. So, at least you know they're listening. Well, they might get mad. Then you really know they're listening. Good night. I preached Monday night so hard that somebody, as soon as the church was over during the invitation, ran out the back door. They were mad as a hornet. They called the pastor on Tuesday morning. Ended up getting right with God. Came back Tuesday night, shook my hand, talked to me on the way in and on the way out. They were mad going out, but I knew they heard it. Oh, got the coon in the tree. Amen. Uh, Folks, I can't help but talk about the Lord. Uh, We're supposed to talk about it everywhere we go. Giving out tracts at the gas station. Amen. Everywhere you go, Ephesians chapter 5, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse number 8. The Bible says, for ye were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Can I tell you something? <laughs> when you walk in the light, you're less apt to stumble. When you walk in light, you're less apt to have problems. Did you ever get up in the middle of the night and crack your toe on something? (laughs) Say why, because you didn't turn the light on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you think, oh, that hurts so bad if I had to just turn the light on. Yeah, because you're stumbling around in darkness. And when we live in darkness is when we ruin and hurt ourselves. That's why churches are supposed to be well lit, not dark and dingy like a funeral home. So many things I want to say. Uh, Jesus and the Bible is our light. Turn to John chapter 1. Go back to John chapter 1. Let me give you several verses here. John chapter 1. Look at verse number 4. Start back at verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And uh, the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, not evolved. They were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the what? Light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Wow. Skip down to verse number seven. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, capital L, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Say, who was that life? (laughs) Skip down to verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Not only is he the word, but he is the light. And it is the word of God that gives us the light of Jesus Christ. That's why which Bible we use is important. (laughs) Perversions of the Bible have no light. They're burnt out light bulbs. They're dark. There's no truth. That's why I fight for the truth. That's why we ought to preach the truth and not get up and preach a sermon while somebody sucks on a cigarette. It ought to be a little bit of conviction. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, look at verse number 12. You say, preacher, you're using a lot of Bible yet because it's God's words and not my words. John chapter 8, look at verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the what? Light of the world. He that falls to me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Folks, the world is not living. We are. They're not living it up. They're dying it down. We're the ones that are living. Do you ever see how nasty and evil and, and, and grumpy they are? They're the ones that everywhere you go, not me. Look at John chapter 9, verse number 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Look at John chapter 12, verse number 46. John chapter 12, verse number 46. I am come, uh, I am come, a light into the world, that whosoever believed on me should not abide in what? Darkness. Hmm. Go to 1st John chapter 1. 1st John chapter 1. It's right before the book of Revelation. 1st John chapter 1 verse number 5. I'm about to shout. This then is the message which we heard of him, verse number 5, and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now I want you to understand something. That book right there is light. It is the Word of God, the King James Bible. Amen. And because of that, He is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, then the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and we have to realize this is what gives us our light. Not only is Jesus the light, but because when we get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in and we have the words of God. We have the light of life. And God says that light can be your armor. Hang on. In other words, we're supposed to use that light as our protection. We're afraid of it. The average Christian wants to hide the light. God said, let it shine. Turn to Daniel. Ezekiel, Daniel, towards in the back of the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Look at verse number uh, 3. Now... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few things and then I'm honestly almost done. I really am. But I want to show you something here. Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse number 3. And they that be wise. Now, everybody look at me. Can a lost person be wise? Yes or no? No, because they don't They don't have the, the light of truth in them. Uh, God talks about wisdom. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if you're not saved you don't have any wisdom at all. Now look at me. And they that be wise. That's the save. Shall what? Okay that sounded like a bunch of Methodists. And they that be wise shall what? Shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now I don't I don't know that I totally understand this. I can tell you what I've heard. I can tell you what I think. But Jesus will be the light of heaven. Why? Because of his righteousness. He will be so righteous, there's no need of the sun, though it will be there. It will measure time. And we'll get into that in Sunday school lessons. But... The Bible says that they that be wise shall shine. And our righteousness will give off light in our heavenly body. But I want you to notice something else. You can make it brighter. How? Look at the second half of that verse. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I believe the more people that we turn to righteousness, the brighter our heavenly body will be when we get to heaven. Uh, I'd be glad to be a night light, but I'd rather be a floodlight. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be a burned out light bulb, that's for sure. But I'd rather be a pretty light, bright light, wouldn't you? How do you do it? By turning many to Righteousness. Now, here's what I want you to get tonight, and I'll I'll finish with this. Living in the light is a protection like armor. Living in the light is a protection like armor. Uh, Did you know that living in light protects you from sinful habits? Bringing your children up in church, they're less likely. I didn't say they would never get in trouble but they're less likely to get involved in cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and all those things I said less likely say why because they're being brought up in light and we have to understand that and fellas just sit down on the second row back here uh, uh, uh. Second, second row I don't need you running all the way up front right there in front of Brother Harry thank you now look at me when we live in the light we're less apt to get involved in things that will destroy our life sooner. Uh, Did you know that living in the light will give you better health? It really will. Uh, If you live in the light and do what the Bible says, you're less likely to come up with an immorality disease. It's the truth. It is a healthier lifestyle. Uh, Did you know that (laughs) uh, you're you're probably less likely to get involved in a a big gang fight or uh, some kind of rough crowd and get involved in all kinds of things that destroy your life? Some of you grew up pretty rough. If you'd have grown up in the light, you wouldn't have some of the bumps and bruises you have later in life. I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you. You see, living in light protects you, and it's an armor that you can wear. It'll keep you from wrong situations. Did you know that living in truth and living in the light, you're less apt to get involved in bad situations? Well, I didn't say you weren't going to have any bad situations in life but you're less likely to be out on the street corner talking to a drug dealer having to uh, try to force your way away from it. You're less likely to be in a bar sitting there not trying to get drunk or, as Brother Aaron did, go out and pass out tracks in a bar. He didn't. Yes, he did. I was proud of him. The preacher was getting drinks. No, I mean uh, not this preacher, the other one. I didn't go in there at all. Nope, I said I ain't going in there. Now, God says that we're supposed to uh, have less conflict in our life. Did you know that if you use light and righteousness in your life, you're less likely to live in conflict all the time? I didn't say you wouldn't have any conflict. You're going to have conflict. But I want you to notice something that God wants us to put on Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 14 and I'm done. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, everybody look at me, and I'll finish. People say, well, preacher, you don't live everything you preach. Have you ever tried to do that? It's impossible. But I'm supposed to put on as much of it as I can. Say, well, do you do it perfectly? Nope, neither do you. Well, you're just a hypocrite then. No, I'm putting on Christ. I'm to put off my flesh and put Christ on. And the more I'll put him on, the less I put on my flesh. You see, well, you're just a put on. Yep, that's me. That's what God said I was supposed to do. He said put on Jesus Christ. I can't be Jesus. No no, Prince. But I can put him on more than I put on my flesh. The world wants to add to the flesh. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And that's how the world thinks. But I have to transform, I have to renew my mind and put on Christ and say, okay, what does the Lord want me to do here? What does the Bible say do here? I'll do that. I don't understand that, but I'll do that. I don't always understand what the Lord wants either. I just know what he says and I obey it. Does it always make sense to me? No. Man, he had me so confused last week what I was going to preach, when I was going to preach it. I didn't know what was going on. I preached a sermon on Wednesday. I decided Wednesday morning, early what I was going to do. I found out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the very topic I was going to preach about was happening right in front of me. I said, all right. All right. I'll keep listening. It's amazing. I had no idea when I preached Monday night who was going to be there. But the one that ran out needed it the most. Honestly, I'd planned on preaching something else. Lord said, uh uh. I preached to a group of preachers on Friday. I really didn't want to preach that sermon. But I've had four pastors call me from that meeting already, asking me to help them. It doesn't make sense to me, but we'll do it. You see, it's not what I think, it's just I obey. Put on, put off. Put off the old, put on the new. Put off the flesh, put on Christ. Put on the light, put off the darkness. Jesus is coming, it's time to wake up. Time for us to be awake and not asleep. Time for us to renew our mind. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. I'm going to crash land the the plane. I wonder, are we living in the light? Or are we just kind of sleeping our way through? It's high time we wake up. High time we do our part.